What is meant by unmanifest is that which is not object of perception. So that which cannot be perceived or objectified by the organs of perception is unmanifest. Whatever can be objectified by the organ of perception is manifest. This is called vyakta or manifest. And that which cannot be objectified by the organs of perception is called avyakta, unmanifest. So we can say that energy or the cause of the entire creation is avyakta, is unmanifest. Is that Brahman? So this verse says, no, no. Paraha tasmat. Even distinct from that, different from that, superior to that, is another bhavaha, is another existence, is another reality. So superior to that, distinct from that, different from that, is another reality. What do you, what will you call that? Even that also is called vyakta. For lack of words, what happens is, even that reality, which is what we call God, or Brahman, also in this twentieth verse is denoted as avyakta. There is one manifest. Because that also cannot be objectified by perception, sense perception. The self or Brahma cannot be objectified by eyes, ears, organs of perception. So that is also called avyakta. However, there is one difference between avyakta, which is Brahman, and avyakta, that is energy, or the, the cause, what is the difference? Difference is that what we call the primordial energy or the cause of creation is subject to manifestation. It is that energy which is in the causal state is unmanifest is subject to manifestation as the creation. Whereas what what the whereas Brahman or what we call the existence or the reality that is even superior to the energy substrate on the energy, because of which even energy is, because of which even the cause is. Uh, we call it maya. What they call energy, you can call it maya. So that which, even from which maya also derives its existence. That reality is also unmanifest. What kind of unmanifest? Which will never become manifest. There is one un- unmanifest which is subject to being manifest, which is what we call cause. Whereas there is this unmanifest, which is not subject to become manifest. If you understand the difference between the two kind of unmanifest. So, there is one unmanifest, even the potential of manifestation and change is there. Like our deep sleep state, is a causal state, still of unmanifest. But all the potential of manifestation is there. Whereas that which even eliminates the deep sleep state, so when my body goes to sleep, my sense organs go to sleep, and my mind goes to sleep, and everything goes to sleep, meaning when everything merges into the unmanifest or the cause of state, that which even illumines that unmanifest, that which illumines the unmanifest and the sleep also, that which gives the very existence to that unmanifest, that because even the cause is, which gives the cause a capacity of being caused, that which gives everything a capacity to be what it is including that which gives the cause, the capacity of being caused, that reality is what we call God or Brahman, which is not subject to change. Yes, sarveshu bhuteshu nashyatsu navinashyati. That cause keeps on changing, becoming effect. And the effects also keep on changing constantly. So when the cause and effect play is going on, that 
which is not subject to change, that which ever remains as substratum, imparting them the existence and awareness and intelligence, so that is the ultimate reality. <coughs> that alone is called avyakta, sometimes it's avyakta and manifest. Akshara, understand that these words are used often in more than one meanings. For avyakta, even at least for those who are familiar with Vedanta, uh, avyakta means unmanifest. And more often than not, this word is used to mean cause, to prakriti, the primordial matter, or maya. But what will you call God or Brahman? That is also not manifest. So that also we use the word avyakta. So ultimately the words uh, have a limitation. The only way we can distinguish between the two avyakta is the cause of maya also the avyakta, which is subject to becoming vyakta or manifest, whereas Brahman is a vyakta which never becomes manifest, which never becomes an object of perception in that sense. <coughs> and that is what you have to get. Don't stop at merely the effect. Don't merely stop at the cause also. So even a scientist also, if he comes to conclusion that the energy is the ultimate reality, well, he has not attained the ultimate reality. Ultimate reality is that because of which even that energy is what it is. Yam prapina nivartante, attaining that. Thank God that it is not that someplace else, it happens to be my own self also. It is, everything else may be away from me, but that objecta, that reality, which is a very basis of whatever there is, also happens to be my own self. And therefore, knowing that as myself, or knowing myself as that, not the way I know it to be today, not knowing myself as a limited being, but knowing myself as what? As the very reality that is even the basis of the whole creation, whole universe. Yam nivartante, knowing myself in that way, following that in this way, nanivartande, then one no more gets entangled in this life of cause and effect. Even while being in cause and effect, as long as you are aware of that self of yours, then the cause and effect don't bother you. See, this life of cause and effect keeps on throwing us from cause to effect and effect to cause. Because we have no anchor. If I'm anchored to that which is beyond the cause and effect, then the cause and effect do not have any effect upon me. That is what is meant by becoming free from the samsara. As long as I am being swept in the current of cause and effect, there is helplessness, as we discussed yesterday. How can I become free from the helplessness? Only when I'm anch- I anchor with that, which is not affected by cause and effect. I know that is myself. That is my ultimate reality. This changing world is not the ultimate reality. Even its cause which is unmanifest also is not the ultimate reality. But that which even imparts existence to that, that which imparts intelligence to that, that which even illumines that, that is the which is the very platform upon which the play of cause and effect takes place, it is that which is my ultimate nature and that is how you have to know me and that's how you have to know yourself. <coughs> Lord, how do we know you? Purusha Saparapartha 
I don't have to do anything with the flower. I have to do something with myself. With what? With something with myself, with my mind, with developing that sensitivity, developing that cognition, if you will. So developing that understanding. See, everybody uses words. What the bhaktas call bhakti, what the other people call jnanam, is what somebody calls cognition. So these are our words. It all amounts to one. What somebody calls left brain, right brain, when everything, you know, but the point is, so what do you call cognition? You're in search of words. Sometimes you call it knowledge, cognition, understanding, realization, devotion, love, whatever. It's, it's all. And so, don't think that bhakti is different and jnanam is different and love is different and cognition is different. These are all. But anyway, when with that, I'm able to contact anything, that is when anything becomes source of joy. <coughs> that in that sense it is said, yena sarvamidam tatam, that lord of the nature of harmony, of the nature of beauty, of the nature of joy, of the nature of order, whatever you call it, by that everything is pervaded. And therefore, for a physicist, when watching that atom or a moment of the particle, great joy. Somebody, some biologist, you know that all kinds of genetic engineering and cloning and stuff like that and producing some sheep, new sheep, you know, with, uh, with human genes in that, you know. The latest discovery is not only that you make, you create a sheep out of a female sheep, but you create sheep with human genes. What is your wonderful? People are thrilled. How can you, you know, what makes you thrilled when you see that? When you see that thing, which is what you call God or harmony, or when you see that, that gives you joy. The idea is that when it is said that he pervades everything, and that means that everything has a capability or capacity to give me the same joy. It is for me to be, to develop that sensitivity, if you call it. <coughs> That's called bhakti. And so be devoted to that, understand. And that devotion comes from understanding. I'm presently devoted by ice cream cake. Why? Because every time I seek an opportunity, what do we have today? Oh, there's going to be diksha. Then I look forward. Oh, there's cake. What kind of cake? I'm a devotee of cake. But then when I understand it's not the cake, it is that other thing which gives me joy, then I become devotee of that. Then I need not necessarily worry about, I need not necessarily depend upon cake. I invoke that alone. So then that's what Lord Krishna says. It is bhakti. In fact, devotion or commitment to anything enables me to achieve that. And similarly also, if I want to achieve this ultimate reality, I become devotee of that, knowing that that alone pervades everything. That alone is. <coughs> if anything else appears to me, that is because I don't, I, I, I fail to perceive that, but that alone is. Bhutani, the whole universe is within which, yena saramidam tadam, and the one who is within the whole universe. How nice! So everything is within him and he is within everything also. Ananya bhaktya By the unswerving devotion to that, this purusha or the Lord is to be, palabhya is to be attained, gained, known. <coughs> And of course, all the teaching is 
to do that. Teaching in terms of karma yoga, teaching in terms of what we call prasad buddhi. What is prasad buddhi? Swami spoke of prasad buddhi in the morning. You know, prasada is what the priest gives us at the end of the, this, the surface of the worship. It is, it is prasada means the grace of Lord. Prasada buddhi means this, this buddhi or this attitude on my part of looking upon everything as prasada. Looking upon everything as grace, everything as gift, everything as favor. And when can I do that? What does it require me to do? That's interesting. When I say that, so when I go to a temple and when I'm given that prasada, sometimes he gives me just one uh, what, what's it, sugar crystal, sometimes one almond, sometimes one piece of one little raisin, sometimes a drop of water, a drop of milk, sometimes some ashes. All of this is called prasada. What is prasada in that? If prasada is in raisin also, prasada is in almond also, prasada is in a drop of water also, prasada is in that ash also, what is common to all of them that makes them prasada? When do I feel a sense of gratitude when I am given that? What is it that makes me experience the sense of gratitude or sense of blessed, blessedness? When something is given to me and I feel a sense of being blessed, what is it? Is it the raisin that does it? Again, what is it that I'm contacting? Not raising, but then that which is there in raisin, as well as in almond, as well as in sugar crystal, as well as in drop of water, that which pervades all of them, isn't it? And so prasad would be also the thing, but turns out to be an effect of all the time trying to cognize that, appreciate that, tune up with that. This <coughs> bhakti. Any time, and what is required is, I have to uh, disregard or be indifferent to the name and form. Then, name, raisin is name and form, and almond is a name and form, and ash is a name and form, when name and form does not matter to me. That is called Vairagya. What's called Vairagya? When can I feel that prasad or the sense of blessedness? When the form in which it comes doesn't matter to me. That, that it comes itself matters to me. So this call dispassion towards the name and form. When I have that, then so if, in fact to enjoy that cake also requires dispassion really, you know. Enjoy anything requires dispassion. Dispassion doesn't mean indifference. Dispassion means that indifference to just the name and form and deference to what is manifest in that. But this Prasad Buddhi we call it, Ishwarar Buddhi, all the yoga that we are taught is nothing but this bhakti yoga. Devotion to the Lord. And there's nothing but the more methods of cultivating the devotion to the Lord. <coughs> and when it is said that God is infallible is not right, but infallible is God, what does it mean? When you say God is infallible, that means you expect God to do what you think is infallible. On the other hand, when I say infallible is God, that means that I accept what happens is infallible and try to look for infallibility there. Which means that all the time I am required to change my perception. <coughs> and so, accepting that infallibility, of course it is a trust and being devoted to that. 
And so all the time trying to tune up in that infallibility or the order or the beauty or Brahman, God, self, awareness, intelligence is bhakti. <coughs> and it is that process by which Lord Krishna says, you know me and you know me as your own self. <coughs> and so this part of the discourse is over. The last six verses are devoted to describing a, a rather unusual thing, unusual in as much as now Lord Krishna describes about the journey that takes place after the soul departs from this body, something that everybody is always curious about. <coughs> and, and two parts are being described, as we'll see, so verse 23 uh, creates the, the background of what is going to be described in subsequent verses. So Lord Krishna says, Yatra kale tvana vrattim, Yatra kale tvana vrattim, Avrattim chaiva yoginaha, Avrattim chaiva yoginaha, Prayatayantitam kalam, Prayatayantitam kalam Vakshyami bharatar shabha Vakshyami bharatar shabha Yatra kale tu, tu means however Yatra kale anavrutim The time or the route rather of no return The path of no return Avrutim cha and also the path of return Yoginaha, for the yogis. Prayata yanditam kalam. So prayata means the departing, the yogis when they depart. So which is the path which when they travel after departure that they do not return? And which is the path traveling on which the yogis return? Tam kalam vakshami bharadarshabha. He bharadarshabha. O foremost among the bharada family, I will tell you of that time, or of that route. So now we are, ta- we are being told about two routes. The soul when it departs from this body, in which soul? A virtuous soul, a yogi, not just anybody. Even a virtuous person also when he departs from this body, there are two possible routes that the soul takes. There is one route traveling along which he reaches an abode from which there is no return and there is another route traveling along which he reaches an abode from which he returns. <coughs> so Lord Krishna now says because Arjuna had asked Antakale, so uh, at the time of death how, how do are you to be known? Or also Lord Krishna said that at the time of death, if this yogi departs from this body while chanting Om and seeing the meaning of Om as myself, then he attains the ultimate abode. But departing from here, how does he attain the ultimate abode? <coughs> so what is the route by which that soul travels to go to what we call Brahmala? We yesterday we talked about the liberation in stages. So here Lord Krishna is talking about this liberation in stages. That you pa- I'll travel along that path by which you go to Brahmaloka, 
and from there from which ultimately you get liberated so what is that path and what is the other path traveling which one returns again to this life of seeking <coughs> and so the verse 24 now tells us here although the word is kalaha it means actually the root what is the root that two roots of course the people who do not live a virtuous life then there is the root is different the root is uh, you know the way they tell us is that there are many apertures from which this prana or this this the life departs this body is said to be a city having 11 gates or at least 9 gates navadware puredehi this body is said to be a city of 9 gates <coughs> and uh, sometimes they call it 11 gates also these two ears and two eyes and two nostrils and one mouth these are seven gates and then two lower gates of uh, rejection so nine the, the navel also is said to be the tenth gate and on the top of the crown is said to be the eleventh gate there are eleven gates in this body and that prana or the life energy can depart from any one of them at the time of death and that also gives an indication of what kind of a uh, gati or what kind of uh, destiny destiny or destination rather this soul reaches this is all for your general information okay because that's the topic here in a way we said that from the heart i mentioned it earlier that 101 nerves radiate from the heart and they go in all different directions and of that one which is called sushumna nadi that comes all straight you know vertically and all the way up to the crown of the head and if the yogi departs from that passage and departs from this body from the crown of the head then he goes to brahmaloka highest gati and if he comes out from other passages then the gati or the above will be comparatively lower so depends upon whether the soul departs from the higher apertures or lower apertures that determines the the destiny or the destination where he reaches wherever energy is concentrated during our life where i focus my attention to the lower apertures to all the sense gratification is it where my my attention has been naturally that is where in the time of death i find myself if on the other hand my attention has been you know in in perhaps doing something good things and therefore always my my discrimination all of these have been always uh, functioning perhaps uh, my my concentration is upper part and uh, highest concentration or the highest kind of life is where my concentration on the life is in the uh, crown of the head but that is how they determine as to what kind of a gati or the destination this the soul will reach and so the verse 24 tells us about that route which the yogi takes and travels which is a path of no return traveling on which path he does not return <coughs> so let's read the verse 
अग्निर्ज्योतिरहशुक्ल अग्निर्ज्योतिरहशुक्ल षण्मासा उत्तरायण षण्मासा उत्तरायण त्र प्रयाता गति त्रयाता गति ब्रह्म ब्रह्म विदो जना ब्रह्म ब्रह्म विदो जना दै रूट विच इज ब्राइट रूट टू रूट्स आर दैर वन इज अ ब्राइट रूट कैरेक्टराइज बाय लाइट और ब्राइटनेस एंड दैर इज अन रूट विच इज कैरेक्टराइज बाय डार्कनेस एंड सो when this yogi departs and travels along the bright route what is bright route so on this route there are so many what we call the the devatas so as you, you know for example as you go from one town to other town from one state to another state and there are all these gates are borders are there and then agents are there and similarly also as you travel to brahmaloka you pass through many regions from one region to the other region to the third to the fourth to the fifth and so forth and each region is uh, is 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 uh, uh, there is there is a presiding deity each region is presided over by a deity so whether you pass through the region of brightness or whether you pass through the region of darkness in general if one is led a life which is bright then one travels along the path that is presided over by the deities which are bright if one has led a life which is not bright then one travels along a path which is characterized by darkness so the verse 24 tell, tells us agnihi meaning fire jyotihi that is a light ahaha the day shukla the bright fortnight षण्मासा उत्तरायणम दी नॉर्दन सॉल्स्टेस ऑल ऑफ दीज आर लुक अपॉन इज ऑस्पेशियस एंड इन अवर स्क्रिप्चर्स वी फाइंड दैट ऑफ द होल ईयर दी सिक्स मंथ्स ड्यूरिंग विच द सन ट्रैवल्स इन नॉर्दन डिरेक्शन इज कॉल नॉर्दन सॉल्स्टेस बिगिनिंग फ्रॉम डिसम्बर ट्वेंटी टू टू जून ट्वेंटी वन सो दे सिक्स मंथ्स ड्यूरिंग विच you will find that the sun travels every morning when the sun rises you find that every morning its place of rising is is moving northward and thus we say that the sun travels or moves northward during those six months and that those six months are called northern solstice during the other six months beginning from june 22 to december 21 or whatever you find the sun rising and moving in the southern direction <coughs> that is called the southern solstice so northern solstice is considered auspicious southern solstice is not that auspicious north direction is auspicious south direction is so north is there and south is there north is auspicious south is not auspicious south stands for death ignorance darkness bondage north stands for knowledge brightness elevation freedom <coughs> that is why lord dakshinamurti faces south why so that we can face north so we always face north whenever we want to do something auspicious this is a, in in india there is a tradition either north or east 
So the east is the direction of sun, which is of course auspicious. And according to certain ways, even north also is looked upon as the direction of sun. And so north is considered to be auspicious. Uttara, in Sanskrit, north is called Uttara. Ud and Tara. Tara means crossing. Ud means arising, above. So rising above and crossing is what is denoted by Uttara. So rise above your limitations and then cross. So Uttara. That's the reason why we always look upward, up to the north, the northern direction. That's why the Sanaka, the sages went to north. And they were facing north and Lord Dakshinamurti appeared facing south. As I said, south stands for Yama. Every direction has a presiding deity. And who is the presiding deity of the southern direction? Yama. Yama means Lord of Death. So death and ignorance and darkness is supposed to be the associated by the south direction. <coughs> anyway, therefore we are told, so therefore north. So when the sun moves in northern direction, northern solstice. Similarly also, uh, in India, the calendar is a lunar calendar. And so uh, when the moon goes, takes one round around the earth, then that is one month, approximately 30 days, 28 to 30 days. Actually 28 days. And so that year will be 354 days roughly, 28 to 29 days. So lunar year consisting of 12 lunar months will be approximately 354 days. That's the reason why every year the lunar year is 11 days behind the solar year. That's the reason why every two and a half years they add one month. That's called Adhika Mahasa. And a month, an extra month is added to make up with the lunar uh, solar calendar. Then also one day here and there, a quarter, that, that doesn't work out exactly. So after many years, even one month comes where you, you drop one month. Then after many years. But every two and a half years or so, we have what we call an extra month. Anyway, this is according to the lunar calendar. But in there also, the bright half, bright fortnight, is, is, a, is a duration when, is a time when the moon grows, waxes. Other fortnight, the moon wanes. So always that vruddhi, that waxing, that growing is, is auspicious and the declining is inauspicious. Therefore, the, the first, the bright fortnight is considered auspicious, the dark fortnight is not considered auspicious. So year divided into two, northern solstice, southern solstice. A month divided into two, bright fortnight, dark fortnight. Then we come to day. In India there was no week by the way. This week was not there in the Indian calendar. Indian calendar had fortnight or paksha they call it. And then we have dinner or the day. <coughs> we didn't have minutes and seconds also. They had different units of time. But anyway, you come today. There also the day and night. So light, day stands, day is bright, stands for brightness, stands for knowledge. So that is auspicious. Night stands for darkness. Ignorance is not auspicious. <coughs> so this is what the verse says. That this soul or this yogi who has lived a bright life, he travels along that route which is presided over by 
this deities, regions, which are all bright regions. Agnihi, Agni is the fire, god of fire. Chyotihi, the god of light. Ahaha, the god of day. Shuklaha, the god of the bright fortnight. Uttarayanam, the god of the northern solstice. This is how the soul passes. <coughs> and of course there are other things also. Then it goes to Aditya. And from there, you know, so... Uh, He goes to the year, and then he goes to the Deva Loka, and then Vayu Loka, and then Aditya Loka, and then Varuna Loka, Indra Loka, and Prajapati Loka, and then Chandramas Loka, and Vidyal Loka, and so forth. So many regions are described in the, in the Vedas. Anyway, this is the bright path along which he travels. Tatra Prayata Gachandi. It is along this bright path that these yogis travel. Brahma Brahma Vidojanaha and they go to Brahma Loka because they have meditated upon Brahman. In short, our destination is what we meditate upon during what is it that I am devoted to in this life? What is it that I constantly meditate upon? Understand that at every moment I am always devoted to something. And every moment I meditate upon something. I meditate sometimes upon my house, sometimes upon my property, sometimes upon my job, sometimes upon my car, sometimes upon my child. Something I always meditate upon, is it not? So who am I? How am I? I am. So as the mind, so the man, they say. And how is the mind? What is the mind? Mind is nothing but what I, I, what is important to me, what all the time I dwell upon. So here is a yogi who always dwell upon God. Saguna Brahma, always been dwelling upon God, meditating upon God, worshipping God, and therefore he reaches the region of God, which is called Brahma Loka, from where there is no return. This is another yogi who also performs the act of worship, but he desires pleasures out of that. There are some yogis who worship God for the sake of God. There are other yogis who worship God because they want some benefit in terms of Arthakama. So, they have been worshipping God all right, but meditating upon what? Meditating upon, ah, this worship will bring me this much, this profit. This worship will get me a, a, a progeny. This worship will get me a promotion, which is fine. But ultimately for that person, even God also becomes a means of attainment of some material pleasures. And therefore, even though a person has led a virtuous life, it's not enough that one needs virtuous life. But that virtue also is a means of what? If through virtue also ultimately I am seeking only the material pleasures or the gratification of my senses and ego, then that's the region where I go. That's called the region of moon. Moon stands for the material pleasures. Sun stands for brightness and knowledge. And so they go to the region of sun. And beyond, so those who had always given importance to the knowledge or brightness in their life. Uh, and those who had something, an agenda or, or a cause which is just greater than simply the gratification of senses and pleasures. On the other hand, there were many who did live a righteous, live a righteous life, but then all they wanted in their life was nothing but pleasure or sense gratification. So they definitely wind up in the region where the gratification takes place. It's called the region of moon. And that is described in the verse 25. 
धूमो रात्रिस्तथा कृष्ण धूमो रात्रिस्तथा कृष्ण षण्मासा दक्षिणायनम षण्मासा दक्षिणायनम तत्र चांद्रमसम ज्योति तत्र चांद्रमसम ज्योति योगी प्राप्य निवर्तते योगी प्राप्य निवर्तते I'm living a virtuous life. I never tell a lie. I don't cheat anybody. I don't hurt anybody. What does you need in life? That is okay. I may be living a virtuous life, but what is your goal behind it? If goal is to get only comfort and pleasure, then that is not adequate. So this is the kind of yogis <coughs> who are yogis, all right, but still what they're looking forward to is nothing but pleasure or comfort. <coughs> So they travel, they travel along what we call the path of darkness. Because this is darkness. Two goals are there. Shreya hai and Preya hai. Yoga hai and Bhoga hai. Either I am a yogi or I am a bhogi. Bhogi means one for whom the, the objective is pleasure. Yogi is the one for whom the objective is self-growth. And so whether I want to grow, is that my goal or whether I just want to have a comfortable life or a pleasant life. Is that the goal? So we were talking about the yogi in the earlier verse who were devoted to the self-growth. Here we are talking about the yogis or the people who are devoted to the, the gratification of senses, pleasures. Virtuous people all right, but still all they look forward to in life is nothing but the happiness or pleasure. So they only think of what? Even though they worship God, they think of what? Think of the material things. Think of only inner things. That is what we say, think of only dark things. Whereas the other one thinks of the God, that is bright thing. That's why this is, that is the path of brightness, path of darkness. Dhumo Ratris Tatha Krishna. The smoke, the presiding deity of smoke and night and the dark fortnight and the southern solstice and like this, he goes into the region where ultimately he goes to the region of Chandrama or the moon. Tatra Chandra Samjyotihi Yogi Prapyanivardade There he goes to the, moon, the world of region of moon. The conceptual thing, not that he goes to this moon. That is also another problem because some people refuse to accept that the scientists went to moon. You know. Or in fact some people say that no, no, even though they gave you some, they brought some pictures or sent some pictures, they are all fake, you know, they didn't really go there. Because the scriptures describe the region of moon in some way and you didn't find it there, you know. But let's say that when the scriptures describe the, the region of moon, it is a concept as I said, you know, and so you reach that level of consciousness which is, but moon is always associated with pleasure. Moon always gives us pleasure, comfort, nourishment. And so those who need that pleasure and comfort, so they go to the region of moon. Tatra Chandrama Samjyotihi, as a result of their virtuous actions, they get the pleasures commensurate to their actions, nivartate, and come back again, come back again to this life of seeking, because uh, their punya is exhausted, the virtue is exhausted, they will start all over again. So Lord Krishna says, 
even for the people who are leading a righteous life, these two kinds of goals are there. Which means that I may be doing good work all right, but still what is it that I desire through that is extremely important. <coughs> and so the verse 26 says, Shukla Krishna Gati Khyede Shukla Krishna Gati Khyede Jagatashashvate Mate Jagatashashvate Mate Ekayayatyana Vrittim Ekayayatyana Vrittim Anyaya Vartate Punaha Anyaya Vartate Punaha Shukla Krishna Gati Khyede Jagataha Hey Arjuna, these are the two parts. In, so, in short, these two parts or goals are available to you. Well, although in the earlier verses, Lord Krishna described the passage after death, that is not of any great importance to us at this time. What, what Lord Krishna wants to teach us is how to live life. Even when scriptures talk about death, it is not death that is really the primary purpose there, but it is a life. So lesson about life is what they want to give us. And now I have to choose whether I want to reach a goal from where I do not return to the life of struggle or am I content with reaching a goal from which again I come back to the life of struggle. What is it that I want? Which means I have to decide whether I want to lead a light life that is characterized by brightness or viveka or discrimination or a life characterized by merely fulfillment of my my sense pla- desires for sense pleasures. That is, is my life devoted merely to sense pleasure or whether my life is devoted to self-growth. So all along the Upanishads talk about these two goals or objectives that there are there. They are called Shreya and Preya. They are called Yoga and Bhoga. Whether I want a life of pleasure or life of self-growth. Whether I am seeking the joy out of the material objects or whether I am seeking the joy of the self. Whether I am seeking the joy of the matter or whether I am seeking joy of the spirit. So whether matter is the purpose of my life or the spirit is the purpose of mine. <coughs> Shukla Krishna Gati Khyate Jagataha Shashwadeyamate Oh Arjuna, these are the two parts that are open to human beings leading to the bright and the dark roots <coughs> or the bright and dark destinations. Ekayayati anavrattim anyayavartade punaha Arjuna, make a note that traveling by one path anavrattim, there is no return anyayavartade punaha whereas other is the path when you travel along that, there is a return. Again, but Swami, how do I know what will be my gati after death? I don't care, really speaking, because Lord Krishna said that what is my, what is the destination? Or what is it that determines what my, my travel or the route or, or destination will be after death? Is whatever is the last thought. But how do I know what the last thought is? That last thought is the culmination of all the thoughts that I have entertained in my life. And therefore, in order for me to assure a desirable last thought, what do I do? 
I deliberately entertain desirable thoughts during the life. That's all. Tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mamanasmara yudhyacha. And so Lord Krishna said, therefore, at all the times remember me. Remember me with the nature of knowledge. Remember me with the nature of fullness. Remember me with the nature of wholeness. Remember me with the reality. Understand that these names and forms, all of these, I no doubt, there is also God, but that is my appearance. <coughs> and you have to penetrate that appearance to really ultimately understand me. <coughs> and therefore, uh, Lord Krishna says in the 27th verse, Naite Sruti Partha Janan Naite Sruti Partha Janan Yogi Mukhyati Kaschana Yogi Mukhyati Kaschana Tasmat Sarveshu Kaleshu Tasmat Sarveshu Kaleshu Yoga Yukto Bhavarjuna Yoga Yukto Bhavarjuna It is Sruti Partha Janan. Hey Partha. Knowing these two parts, Yogi Kaschana Yogi Namuhyadi. A yogi is never deluded. Yogi means here, first of all, an intelligent or thinking person. What is first necessary for us is to be a thinking person. And so that we think about life. We think about the purpose of our life. Or we try to understand our own urge. We try to understand what is it that my heart is seeking. <coughs> to understand that what I am seeking is wholeness, is fullness, is completeness, is freedom. To understand that urge of the heart. And next question then is, if I am seeking that wholeness or fullness, where is it to be attained? The next realization is that, that fullness has to be my own nature and therefore I have to discover that as my own self. Third question is, how do I go about doing that? How do I go about trying to understand myself, trying to understand the world, trying to understand the reality? When understanding or cognition becomes a primary thing in my life, what do I require for that? For that I require a cognitive mind. So mind can have different modes. Either mind is looking at, you see, when a given thing is presented before me, or before a person, Different people will react differently to a given thing depending upon the disposition of mind, isn't it? As I said, when the apple falls down, different people are standing there. One fellow says, hey apple, immediately, you know, he, he rushes to get that apple so that he can enjoy the apple. So one looks upon that apple, falling apple, as an object of enjoyment. Then somebody looks at the apple and says, oh, what does it matter? You know, apples keep falling all the time. What is the big deal about it? He's indifferent to that. A third person thinks, hey, apple fell down. Why did it fall? Why did it fall? What made that apple fall? So the very phenomenon seems to inspire different people in different way. To somebody that phenomenon doesn't inspire at all. To somebody that phenomenon inspires to enjoy it, go and get it and enjoy it. To yet another person that phenomenon inspires to understand why did this happen? That's a scientist. To a fourth person, the very same phenomenon will inspire. Uh, the scientist also wants to understand why the apple fell down. 
But a spiritual person also wants to understand why the apple fell down. A scientist is content by discovering the laws of mechanics, laws of mechanics and is content that he has understood that phenomenon. Whereas a spiritual person is perhaps trying to find out that why are even these laws there? Is there a law which is more fundamental than all these laws or not? And so he wants to understand the ultimate truth. He wants to understand God. So phenomenon being same, the life being same, everything being same, how these different events in our life impact us is determined not only by the events, but by what kind of a disposition of mind we possess. And this is something that we have to do. The person who is indifferent is called tamas, the tamoguna, darkness and you know, is predominant there. The fellow who, want, who rushes to enjoy that, rajoguna, rajas prevails there. So when rajas is there, activity is there, bhoga buddhi is there, desire to go and get and enjoy is there. Sattvaguna is there, sattva sanjayate jnanam. So when my mind is sattvic, there is an inspiration of knowledge. <coughs> and when that, and that knowledge also can be ultimately, if that mind and hopefully by grace of God develops an, an, an interest in learning scriptures and knowing the most fundamental thing, it is a blessed mind. But it is that mind which we have to cultivate. And for that there is a life that they prescribe to us which is called yoga. Yoga is a way of life. What is that way of life? That way of life which is compatible to the realities of life. The point is simple. If there obtains an order in the universe, then it makes sense that my life should also be in keeping with that order, compatible to that order. As we hear Swami saying, if I violate the order, then I am violated. If I join the order, then I gain the benefit of that order. Like swimming in the river, the, then swimming in, against the current of the river, I reach nowhere. In fact, I may go back. Swimming along with the current, oh well, I get the help of that current. Similarly also, living a life that is in keeping with this order, I get help of that order. That is called the grace of God. Violating the order, living a life that goes against that order, I get all kinds of violations in my life which result in terms of many conflicts and stresses and pains and sufferings. So what is yoga? Yoga is nothing but a life that is in keeping with that order. And this we have been discussing. What kind of an order obtains in the universe? We have been discussing that. Bhagavad Gita shows us that the order that obtains is order of cooperation, order of yajna, order of giving, order of offering, order of worship. And thus my life becomes a process of worship of God and offering to the Lord. So that will be a life of yoga. And whatever I do, whether I do uh, traditional worship, that also I may do. Or I do my day-to-day duties or activities, that also I do. I'm a social worker, that also I may do. Whatever is the cause in my life, when I'm dedicated to that, when I look upon that as, as nothing but the work of God, then my life becomes a life of worship. That is called yoga. And that means what is important in my life is that God, ultimate reality, the brighter of the brightest. Tasya bhasa saramidam vibhati. 
it is that light because of which all the lights also shine and therefore when that is important in my life when my life is oriented around that order or around God then I am a yogi here Arjuna you have the choice to become a yogi you have the choice to become a bhogi both these parts are there naite sruti patha janan yogi mukhyadikasana so yogi means an intelligent man a person when he understands that these two options are there na mukhyadi he is never deluded he will naturally choose the path of brightness tasmat sarveshu kaleshu yoga yukto bhavarjana therefore here arjuna at all times may be united to yoga that is may become a yogi at all the times we will seek, seek to live a life as i said which is compatible to the obtaining realities so and also swami said this morning that suppose you were you know suppose this was what is attitude so suppose this is fine suppose so suppose that i was a complete being as the scriptures tell me that how i act then my attitude will not be one of seeking or begging my attitude is one of offering and thus how the the perception provided by the scriptures give us a perception of life and thus completely change the direction of our life give us new priorities give us a new set of values it's not what we do that remains important is so important is the way or how we do that that's the reason why in india what you do was not that important that's the reason why all these things work varnashram etc can work if a person is only committed to a life of what we call a spiritual life a life dedicated to spirit a life dedicated to self growth that i realize that i i must grow in order to be able to appreciate the reality appreciate god and therefore a life that is devoted to self growth life that is devoted to self purification make my mind satvik slowly and slowly get rid of the rajas and tamas or ragadveshas <coughs> tasmat sarveshu kaleshu yogi yukto bhavajana here you know therefore at all the times become become a yogi <coughs> so yoga is a general is, is you know uh, generally what we understand by yogi is a person who meditates and all we have a certain idea of yogi which is fine but here we are talking about yogi who is devoted to as we said a life dedicated to ultimately knowing or attaining god and therefore and that requires also as we said a growth of myself and therefore a life of self growth emotional maturity if you call it self purification or self growth <coughs> what do i get by that See, those days they would ask what how much punya will i get but punya gives me happiness how much punya will i get hey arjuna don't worry you get punya more than what anything else can give you and that's what the last verse tells us vedeshu yagneshu tapassu chaiva vedeshu yagneshu tapassu chaiva दानेशु यत्पुण्यफलं प्रदिष्टं दानेशु यत्पुण्यफलं प्रदिष्टं अत्येति तत्सर्वमिदं विदित्वा अत्येति तत्सर्वमिदं विदित्वा 
योगी परम स्थान मुपैदिचाद्यम योगी परम स्थान वेदेशु यज्ञेशु तपस्सु दानेशु ऑल ऑफ दीज आर सपोज टू बी वेरी वर्चुअस और एक्शंस वेदेशु स्टडी ऑफ द वेदास Study and recital of the Veda, something very, you know, pious thing to do. <coughs> Yajneshu, performing yajnas, performing the various worships or rituals as prescribed in the Vedas, also a very virtuous act. Tapasu, having tapasarya or austerities in life. Austerities, as we have said earlier, what is an austerity? The thing about a deliberate self-denial. austerity so that my energies are available for for contemplation for worship <coughs> and so also de- developing a life of discipline so life of self imposed discipline austerity tapasu jaiva daneshu dana means charity a life charity also is a very noble thing to do and all of these so whether charity austerity in all of these also so there is uh, in my life study of the vedas study and recital of the scriptures there is also the performance of what we call acts of worship also there is austerity in my life also there is charity in my life all of these create lot of punya all of these create lot of punya if i perform all these acts with a desire then all my desires will fulfill if i perform all these acts without desire then i become a yogi so who is a yogi yogi is a separate person yogi is a person who does things with a certain understanding if i am very clear that what i am seeking is nothing but my inner purification then whatever i do whether i study the scriptures and recite them or whether i perform acts of worship whether i perform charities or i perform austerities all of these acts become yoga when all of these are performed as for pleasing the lord for only seeking his grace only for removing the obstacles within myself <coughs> for gaining the inner purification so that i get that cognition so that i realize i recognize the realities and so if what all i do is done for the purpose of ultimate knowledge then all the activities become yoga and regardless of what i do it is purpose i may be performing an act of worship but inside i'm just looking you know who is all attending there and how much of in the aarti how many how much money comes so suppose that is my that is where my attention is i may be outwardly performing a, a very uh, spiritual act but what i'm seeking behind as a result of that is what decides really the quality of the act and the effort for swami ji is puja etc i am not comfortable with them doesn't matter some people you know have allergy towards this puja etc even india also doesn't matter whatever you do can become puja whatever you do can become an act of worship can become an act of offering what is it that you are seeking in life that is most important and every day i should remind myself what do i want in this life यांति देवव्रता देवान पितृन्यांति पितृव्रता भूतान्यांति भूतेज्यः यांति मध्या जिनोभिमा नाइन चैप्टर लॉर्ड कृष्णा विल से दोस वांट टू बिकम देवतास दे विल बिकम देवतास 
one will become Pitrus, become Pitrus. One of the Bhutas, Ghosh, they will become that. One to come to me, you will come to me. All we have to do is, because we are given a faculty of choice, therefore we have to choose. It would have been nice if God had made a choice for us and if the life was automatically directed towards attaining Him, that would have been wonderful. But I don't know, in His kindness something is lacking, I guess, you know. <laughs> so, He has left this choice to us. He has left this choice to us. He has left this exercise to us that we live the life and from the experiences we learn and grow. That experiences do not merely remain the experiences of all kinds of, uh, you know, pain, etc., whatever, but that each experience helps us to learn and grow. That much he has done. So as I say, as far as the organic evolution is concerned, God has done it. But as far as further evolution is concerned, that task has been left to man, to the human being. And therefore, the faculty of choice is given to us. At the same time, faculty of learning and growth also is given to us. And we use it. So, Sarveshu Kaleshu Yoga Yukto Bhavarjuna. Hey Arjuna, become yogi at all the time. What will be the ultimate result? The last line of the, last two lines of Atyedita Saramidam Viditva. That life of yoga will ultimately culminate into the knowledge. Because again this morning also Swami said that it's not that you learn after performing action. The very action, if I am, if I am a person who is, who always wants to learn, then every action, every experience also becomes an occasion to learn and grow. And this process of learning, growing, where will it culminate? Yogi param sthan upayrichadim. Here you know, ultimately you will know. Because God being everywhere, even to understand what the action means, what the result means, what the karma phala means, what is, when I am seeking to know that, that process, ultimately of course with the help of scriptures and teacher, culminates into knowing the ultimate truth behind everything, which is God. And then I realize, or etat sarvam, I see God in all his expressions, as the first several verses told us. Aksharam Brahma Paramam, that Brahma is immutable. Svabhava Dhyatma Murchyade, same immutable Brahman or God is my own self. Adibhutam Sharobhavaha, all that I see that is changing and perishable, all this also is nothing but expression of same God. Purushaschadhyayvatam, not only the elemental creation is God, but all the, the devatas, the cosmic powers which control this elemental creation, that also is nothing but expression of God. And the yajna, the spirit of cooperation, the spirit of sacrifice, that also is God. And karma, all the actions we are responsible for the creation, that also is God. So, this is how the knowledge comes. And I said, when we are always in the process of learning, then we realize, hey, this is God. All this element of creation is nothing but expression of God. All the devatas, different laws that govern the phenomenon also is God. And the spirit that obtains everywhere of yajna, that also is God. Hey, I myself is ultimately God. All these realizations or cognitions keep coming to us. And thus, I will know God in his totality. Not only is that which is beyond the name and form, but also one that possesses all names and forms. Either Saram the yogi will ultimately come to know this 
and what will you reach? Paramsthanupaidichadyam which is the highest state, the primal cause of creation. The primal cause is what? The cause of the cause, in the sense that that which is the substratum of the material cause also, which also is the self, that is what he ultimately reaches. That means that he reaches Brahman, which is the reality about himself and about everything else. He abides in that knowledge. Abides in the knowledge of everything in Brahman. Here, Arjuna, all you have to do is to start. Be a yogi. Have the right understanding of life, right priorities, right values, right attitudes. And that process will culminate into the ultimate goal of the life. Thus in the 8th chapter, Lord Krishna taught many things. But primarily, this chapter is called Akshara Brahma Yoga. <coughs> what this one does not mention right here is the last sentence which we generally read at the conclusion of every chapter. So, uh, just repeat as I recite here. <coughs> Om Tatsad Om Itishrimad Bhagavad Gita Su Itishrimad Upanishad Su Brahma Vidyaya Yoga Shastre Shri Krishna Arjuna Samvade Akshara Brahma Yoga Nama Ashtamo It is in this manner Ashtamaha Adhyaya, the eighth chapter. Akshara Brahma Yoga Nama. The title being Akshara Brahma, the top, the theme of this chapter being Aksharam Brahma. Even though we talk about northern solstice and southern, all of that is not our thing. There is also Vairagya. I don't want this. I don't want any passage. I don't want that I should continue even after the death here. I want that the fulfillment of my life should come here. And so the reason I'm describing this northern source passage and southern passage is really for Vairagya, more than anything else. And so Lord Krishna here primarily unfolded the nature of Brahma. God, Aksharam, that is immutable. That's the main theme. And along with that also several other things were said. Omkara was presented as a means for, for worshipping that Brahman and attaining that Brahman also. And several passages and things also were said because that was, that is what the, uh, the discussion required. <coughs> this is uh, Sri Krishna Arjuna Samvade. This is the dialogue between Sri Krishna and Arjuna. Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Shastra, which dialogue takes, you know, uh, dialogue has these two topics, Brahma Vidya and Yoga Shastra. In Bhagavad Gita, which is also equivalent to Upanishads, this eighth chapter is just concluded. <coughs> Sarva Dharman Parityajya Sarva Dharman Parityajya Mamekam Sharanam Raja Mamekam Sharanam Raja Ahantva Sarva Papebhya Ahantva Sarva Papebhya Moksha Yishyami Mashuchah Moksha Yishyami Mashuchah Hari Om Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnas 
పూర్ణమాదాయ పూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్ణమేవశ్యూర్